Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Inside Access with Jason Lockonfora and Ken Wyman. Sponsored by Stevenson University Online. 1057 The Fan. Well, it's going to be a dogfight, but we expect that. And, uh, you know, regardless of the moves that teams make, we feel like every single year is a challenge. First and foremost, we want to win our division. Not going to be easy. And then you look at these other teams, and uh, as you say, uh, there's some strong, strong teams. Uh, we're excited about the challenge. We've got a lot to prove. We understand that we disappointed last year in different ways, and we expect to rebound fully this year and be the best team we can be. Eric DaCosta, I think that was the offseason talking about uh, Ravens and expectations. Here we are. The trade deadline is now behind us. All the moves that can be made, save a hypothetical Odell Beckham move, have been made. And so now we ask the question, can the Ravens win the Super Bowl as presently constituted? Because this is going to be the team that's that has to drive. That's what this is about, right? Uh, yeah. So are the Ravens a Super Bowl contender? Jason, I'll start with you. Yes. I think you could cluster them in a group of, I'd say, six to eight teams that I would say you could you could write a script, you could create a scenario that I would buy, at least on some level, that they were the last team standing or at least representing their conference with an opportunity to become the last team standing. Um, I feel better about it today than I would have three days ago, mm-hmm. um, in part because of the move they made. I'd feel a whole lot better about it had they done something at wide receiver other than to this point just sign Deshaun Jackson. But this league is so watered down. There's so much parity. Um, do I think they? I would favor them to beat the Bills or the Chiefs home or road? In January, I wouldn't, but it, they would certainly have a fighting chance. Sure. And who knows what's going to happen to those teams yep. injury-wise. And, you know, it's not just who you play, it's when you play them. So, yeah, Bone, I, I would say if, if we're going to say there's 32 teams in this league and there's a quarter of it 
right, eight teams who you could say have a legitimate shot, and maybe it's less than eight. Maybe it is more like six. They're in there for me. They're in there for me. Strictly in the AFC, they're a top team in the conference. Where the Bills and Chiefs, I think they're in a different yes. class. I think the Ravens are better than the Titans. And then you have the Dolphins, who came to Baltimore, beat the Ravens. So they're kind of in that position. The best team doesn't always win. No one thought that the Bengals were going to win the AFC last year. 2012, the Ravens were hitting the skids, and then they got hot. It had the Giants both years. 2019, the the Titans came in here and beat the Ravens. it, It happens every single year in football. Can the Ravens do it? Yes. But like you said, Jason, on the road in Buffalo, Kansas City, I don't love their chances. Sure. I, I still have my concerns about this roster. Wide receiver is a big concern for me. The Ravens are a Super Bowl contender. I Are they going to win the Super Bowl? We shall see. They're but, a contender, but yeah. But they are absolutely a team. Can they go into Buffalo and win? I think they can. Can they go into Kansas City and win? I think they can. Will they? We shall see. That The one, the biggest thing they're going to have is they might have to beat both of them to get to the Super Bowl. Now, if somebody else does them a solid and takes care of business, then, then that would be great. But the fact is they're probably going to have to beat both of them to get where is the Super Bowl this year? I can't even remember. Vegas, I don't even know. Yeah, I don't know I think it might no, be it's, Vegas. it's Arizona. I and think. then Vegas next year? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so to get to Arizona, uh, but no, I, I think they solidified a weakness on Monday. Yes, I would like the wide receiving group to be better, but other than that, it feels like this team's starting to get healthier and they're going to get Tyus Bowser back Monday. They hopefully will have David Ajabo back a couple weeks after that, and then maybe all of a sudden this defense looks a whole lot better. Lamar Jackson's going to have to have a hell of a postseason for them to win it. And this new and improved defense with Roquan Smith, they're going to have to get it done. I just I question if this team can keep up in a shootout in Buffalo in Kansas City with their receiving core. Marcus Peters, is he going to be able to bounce back? Is he going to be able to get healthy again? Gus Edwards, John Harbaugh said it was a minor hamstring injury. Hopefully he can get back because he was running the football well and this running back group is starting to round into form. Isaiah Likely, you hope that he can step up. They're absolutely a Super Bowl contender and anything can happen in January. You see it every single year. But right now, November 2nd, I'm putting the Bills and Chiefs definitely above them. I think Miami is a coin flip. Jason, when you look at, uh, like, are the Ravens, I feel like they're a top 10 team in football right now. They're now, again, watered down league, but the teams that I definitely put ahead of them, Buffalo, Kansas City, Mm -hmm. uh, Philadelphia, Philly, probably Minnesota. I would put Dallas ahead of them. Yeah, Dallas. Well, their defense is so good. And if their offense doesn't get out of its own way, their defense. But like anybody like Miami beat them. But on the flip side of that, the Ravens were beating the crap out of them. If they could get a stop. Miami's 5-0 and when their quarterback. I I hear you. It's a a coin flip and it's worth mentioning. But they're in that cluster. And it's worth mentioning the Ravens had a 17-point lead over the Bills. Mm -hmm. So it... And the Ravens' defense in the, what, three or four matchups they've had with them, they've kept Josh Allen in check in pretty much all of those games. Yeah, like I would throw the 49ers in that tier. So, yeah, I mean, whatever, wherever you want to sort of draw that line. 
I know the yeah, Giants. Be- the Ravens. You again. You could sell me on the Ravens getting to a Super Bowl, like based on what I've seen, based on where they are, based on who they play. Based on what we know. And based on what's re- potentially returning for them. Ellen, something else. Marcus Peters don't look right, but the fact he's going to have 20, yeah, they're playing one game in 23 days, that's got to help him. Like he's, sure. Yeah, like the bye week is going to be great for Marcus Peters. I think it's going to be great for a lot of people. I mean, this is the latest bye they've had in a while. It's yeah. Been, it's, they've been kind of getting them right, right like around week seven, week mm-hmm. eight. So this is a little bit, a little bit deeper for them than it has been in a few years. I, I think it'll be great for, for all of them. Um, and who doesn't have warts? Yeah. Who doesn't have warts? Maybe Buffalo. <laughs> I'd say Buffalo and the, the Eagles ball, have the fewest. Yeah. Well, they run the ball pretty good lately. Oh, uh, Singletary against the Packers. No, but. it's the last few weeks. Buffalo is like, you want to keep playing all that all that zone. And they remember, they got Najee Harris now, too, I think. Will be an no, interesting. No, you mean Naeem Naeem Himes. Himes. I mean, Naeem Himes. Sorry. Najee Harris looks like uh, yeah, crap. No, I don't want Najee Harris. I want Nine. I want Himes in my, in my pass game. I want Himes to, Hines. to Hines to be an extension of my run game yeah. in the screen game. And Josh Allen runs the ball. Josh Allen is averaging over three hundred with passing yards a game and over forty rushing yards a game. What's interesting about the Bills? They're seventeenth in red zone efficiency, and they still have the number one offense. They're second in scoring, so obviously they're scoring from far out. They, they have tons of explosive plays, but seventeenth in red zone efficiency surprised me. Hey, we have a huge Hump Day Wednesday show. It gets started. Guess wise next, Herc Gomez, uh, our buddy. World Cup is right around the corner, Jason. We've had him on to talk soccer a bunch of times. Excited to hear what he has to say as the World Cup is uh, coming. Well, like Thanksgiving? It's the, less than, yeah, it's here. Yeah, Herc Gomez, First of course, game against Wales for the U.S. is on uh, the 21st. Covers soccer for ESPN and ESPN Deportes. Brad Biggs will go behind enemy lines once again. Chicago's perspective of the Roquan Smith deal. Brad Biggs covers the Bears for the Chicago Tribune. He joins at 3. We'll get our best bets with Tim Murray at 3.30. Pete Prisco. The man invented the trade deadline. So what did he think of yesterday's uh, trade deadline with 10 trades uh, done yesterday? And what did he think were the best trades? And, of course, our Wednesday chat with Ray Rice at 5. Yeah, fired up, man. Uh, Big show, football and football. Mm. Uh, And a little baseball as well. Oh, yeah, Uh, World Series. You know, Ramon getting his gold glove, some other Oriole finalists. And tipping pitches. And a wild game in Philly. Tipping pitches last night, Jason. Knees up or knees out in uh Bryce Harper clearly saw something. He yes. used it to his advantage. He told Alec Bohm while he was getting into the on deck circle about it, and yep. then Bohm opens the next inning with a home run. Yeah, I, uh, it's not a coinky uh, dig. It's not a guy's like velos uh, down a little bit. No. He's not a velo guy to begin with. No, he is not. But coming up next, as we mentioned. It is November, which means the World Cup is just days away. Herc Gomez, ESPN, covers soccer, joins us next. Inside Access with Jason Ken. Two are on Twitter. And Ken is borderline creepy on the gram. Good news. I found your Instagram. Did you see the 90 photos I liked in a row last night at 2 a.m.? Inside Access, 105.7 The Fan. We are efforting to get Hercules Gomez from ESPN on to talk some World Cup. But in the meantime, Jason, some potentially big news out of the nation's capital, and that is that the Washington Commanders, could they possibly be for sale? 
Well, there's a statement put out by the team that indicates that is the case. Uh, They didn't go to any great lengths in that statement to say, you know, this is just a minority sale or the Snyder family intends to maintain ownership at all costs. I spoke to someone this morning um, who runs in ownership circles and who is, I wouldn't call him a friend of Dan Snyder's, but friendly with Dan Snyder. And he said that he had a conversation with Dan about, I don't know, six, seven weeks ago, near the start of the season. And Dan told him at that point in time that he he was going to secure Bank of America to facilitate the sale of a minority share in the team. Now, a lot's changed since then. Um, And obviously, we had an ownership meeting a few weeks back in New York where Dan Snyder was the main story, despite not being on the agenda. And and obviously... um, He's under fire. He's under duress for good reason. He is a pretty despicable human being, and he's been a horrible owner. And the cardinal sin that he has committed in the eyes of other owners, above and beyond all of the sexual impropriety, all the payoffs, all of the stalking people with private eyes, all of the despicable behavior, it's not that. It's that he's turned a cash cow into a team that now sucks from the teat of the other owners, right? The way it works in the NFL with revenue sharing, you're either bringing a whole lot to the table, right? Or you're bringing a little bit or you're you're bringing next to nothing. And he's in a major market. He's in a metropolitan city. And the Reds, the then Arskins, the now commanders have gone from one of the biggest haves to a have not. They don't sell as many tickets. They don't sell as many beers. They don't sell as many jerseys, right? They don't drive ratings, People don't want anything to do with them. They can't get the stadium built. They're stuck in a crappy facility. It has no infrastructure. The team facility is not up to standards, even though they finally built a bubble. Like, they don't help other people earn anymore. In fact, in the eyes of a lot of owners, they're they're pulling us down because that market should be a top five market, and Mm -hmm. it's a bottom five market. Is he just feeling the heat? of Jim Ursay from that owner's meeting because Ursay's not going to speak out if he didn't have support of other owners. And, I don't, yeah, I don't and the other dynamic to all of this, why would someone be a minority owner when Snyder pretty much runs everything right now? Well, I think the only way that someone would come on board as a minority owner is if it was a path to full ownership and that there were stipulations that after a certain point in time, my guess would be five years because it would still take them a while to get a stadium. But like, look, it's in Dan Snyder's best interest to sell this thing for the most money possible. Right now. I just said their facilities are junk. If you get somebody else in who people do believe in, who people know could be the next owner should be, will be in all likelihood, the next owner. And that you're just stuck with Snyder for a while. Now, all of a sudden there's financial incentives all over the place to try to get something built to expedite Snyder being out there to let the new guy get full control because now maybe we won't be a horse bleep organization anymore with a real owner. So knowing him as I do and how his mind works, my guess is that might be the kind of thing he's thinking because then he could try to say, well, you still wouldn't have got that stadium without me. And he could try to leave some sort of a legacy that isn't an utter poop stain, that isn't a blight, that isn't a tarnish, right? He would try to put lipstick on the pig of Dan Snyder, owner of that franchise for two decades in that manner, and guys cash out at the maximum value rather than selling low right now, which is what he would be doing. 
It still would be five billion bucks, but yeah. it wouldn't be what it could be if you knew you were getting a stadium in Southeast or does he, in Arlington or wherever. Does he care about his legacy? And, and, and is he well, so oblivious to his legacy? Like, does he realize well, how bad it is? I think he cares more about getting everything. I think it would it would eat him up if he sold and 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 had nothing to do in any way with the new stadium because that was one of the things like that was one of his primary objectives when he took over is remember he built the thing up to 100,000 seats and then he wanted he talked about his waiting list and he wanted to be able to host super bowls and he wanted to get use that as a springboard to get a facility that would allow him to compete for for final fours or whatever retractable dome I want all the stuff that Jerry gets I want so to sell low on his team and have somebody else come in and become the Jerry Jones of Washington, I think that would burn. That would, he, I was going to say in his heart or soul. I'm not sure he has either. Where it would burn a hole in him where most people would have a heart. He's obviously a massive narcissist, and it seems like for years now, okay, maybe they're going to force him out. Maybe they're going to force him out. And then him not giving in for the name change. Is this the first time you feel like it's when, not if? for him not owning the Redskins in the foreseeable future. Yeah, I mean this is this is the first time they've addressed anything like this and not have it sound like the old Charleston Heston commercials. This wouldn't mean anything to you, Timo. Uh-huh. You know, out of my cold dead hands. Like it's not that thing doesn't read like that. It it reads like a professional organization sending out a statement that if that seems to be indicating that a change of ownership is quite conceivable. And again, them even taking that step is is pretty telling. There was no weird disclaimer. There was no there was nothing in all caps at the bottom that said, I will still have fifty one percent. Like it, it It's a it's it's definitely a different statement than we're used to seeing from him. Yes. That's for damn sure. Hey, we a little bit of a flip flop, so this was, coming up next was going to be League at Large, but we're going to be joined by Hercules Gomez next. We'll talk some World Cup with him as the World Cup is just days away. So we'll get we'll get that, uh, and obviously we'll try to get some more trade deadline stuff a little later. But Herc Gomez joins us next here on The Fan. Inside Access on The Fan. Jason and Tim sit in the bleachers. Ken sits in his brother's seats behind home plate. Inside Access, 105.7 The Fan. We're just 18 days away from the start of the World Cup, which is insane when you think about it. First of all, the World Cup being in November is insane. It is ridiculous, but it's in Qatar, so that's why. And uh, and and also, you just being so close to it starting again. So joining us now, courtesy of the Ashley Furniture Guest Hotline, Hercules Gomez, of course, part of ESPN's coverage of uh, soccer, uh, both on ESPN and ESPN Deportes. And uh, her, her, good afternoon. Thanks as always for joining us. So. 18 days away. How excited are you for the start of the World Cup? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank yeah, you. super excited. Uh, this has been, well, not four years coming, if you think about it. It's been a lot longer than that. You have to go back to Cova, and you have to go to the Trinidad and Tobago game, what missed opportunity that was the 2018 yes. World Cup in Russia. Uh, this has been quite some time where the anticipation has been mounting, the expectations. I mean, it, it's almost here. 
So where are your emotions? We're going to get a roster reveal. I know you and I have discussed this in the past, and we have often sort of scratched our heads at some of who's not only who's selected, but maybe who, who's who's playing, who, who's not playing, who's playing with whom. Right. It's been very confusing, and the, the, those friendlies were an abomination. Is there? Do you have any hope that some guys who have been on the outside looking in, Brooks may be too much of a uh, uh, stretch. Prefox, somebody who Greg will lean into other than the core guys he's been riding, which those that group's even right now, sadly and, and scarily compromised by some injuries. Right. Um, the Mexican national team, for example, has uh, leaked out uh, a lot of the names that have been in that 55-man uh, prelim roster um, before the World Cup. Now, I'd be very surprised if within those 55 names, uh, John Anthony Brooks, isn't on that list. That would just be a blatant lie if there are 54 yeah. players who are right. better suited for the U.S. national team than, than, than Brooks. So uh, there's always hope. Uh, and the reality is uh, Greg Berhalter doesn't have the luxury of picking and choosing just anybody. I mean, at the moment, his players are going down like flies. Uh, it's injury concern after injury concern, question after question, uh, certain players not playing, other players on the mend. Will they come back in time? Certain positions of much more need. So that will require a little bit of tinkering, and that'll come up in decision-making. Uh, maybe I, I go with a player who's more versatile because he can cover other functions. And listen, you saw it in the women's Euro. Uh, all it yeah. takes is a COVID outbreak or something to happen, and numbers dwindle quickly. Injuries, uh, whatever the case may be. So I really think whatever expectation we had of the roster – we can kind of put on hold because of what's going on. It would be circumstantial. That said, anytime you go into a roster selection process, and we had Juan Carlos Osorio on our show, Football Americas. He's an ex-coach of Mexican yeah. national team. And we spoke just about this precisely. How do you pick the player pool? How do you pick the final roster? It comes down to form. He says, I, you know, I hold off a lot of spots of who's in the best form. Who can help me out that exact moment? Uh, thanks to everybody who got us here, but this is much more than, hey, I owe you something. I guess if we had to sort of rank trouble spots or or maybe the where things are particularly nebulous, um, do, do we even know who Greg's preferred center-back pairing would be and how much faith well, do we have in it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we know who his preferred center-back pairing is. Uh, how much faith one would have in it is, is a different question, a whole different story. Uh, he, he prefers Walker Zimmerman and, and Aaron Long. And I have no issue with that if he doesn't ask them to play out of the back the way he's asking mm-hmm. them to play out of the back, at the volume of which he's asking them to play out of the back. Aaron Long and Walker Zimmerman can be very dominant center backs if you're trying to absorb pressure, absorb crosses from uh, all types of angles, and you're not asking them to play cleanly out of the back. Uh, they could be of use to you. Uh, but if you're asking them to completely come out playing out of the back excuse me, and be called upon in the construction of your offensive volume, there, there's an issue there. There's a problem there. So this player pool, each player, they're, they're playing because they've shown something at the level that they play at. Uh, it's not, it just doesn't happen by chance. It's not just, hey, I like your name or I like the way you look. I'm going to call you up. No, they've shown um, at some level something that Greg Berhalter likes. Now, piecing that together – that's a different story, and I think that's that's an area of concern, not just for the fan base, but for Greg Berhalter. I think he needs to come to terms with that, and he needs to get out of his own way sometimes. Now, you talk about the center back position. I think right now the 
biggest area of concern may be that eight position. Mm-hmm. Uh, who will accompany Eunice Musa and Tyler Adams? You know, Weston McKinney may have superhuman-like uh, rehabilitating abilities, but you can't bank on him being at optimal um, level three weeks from now. You know, it's a two- to three-week injury. So what does that entail? Does that entail that in two to three weeks he's back with the green light to train or he's back fully fit on the field? We don't know that. So Luca De La Torre uh, out as well. Um, you may have to drop a Brandon Aronson or Gio Reyna. Would you risk Gio Reyna in there? Mm-hmm. How, how much can he give you? You want to put him in bubble wrap and pray he doesn't get injured because of the ceiling that kid has, the talent level. Uh, but you want to see him in the World Cup. So a lot of questions. Center back isn't the only issue. Uh, there, there are some huge questions surrounding this U.S. men's national team. Herc, the uh, U.S.'s three Group B games, Wales, England, and Iran, three games in nine days. How do they stack up against those three teams? It's a great question. It's honestly a wash. It's a toss-up, and I think it's a very difficult group to call. I think everybody has England pegged as the, the winners of this group, and I think most People, pundits, are, are thinking it's between Wales and the U.S. I'm not so sure. I think Iran may have something to say about that. In Asian qualifying, they were very good, um, regardless of the turmoil that their country is experiencing at the moment. Uh, they're a team to be contended with. Um, it could be a very complicated game for the U.S. for plenty of reasons, geopolitical reasons as well. Lots of pressure we saw in 1998, how that went for the U.S. men's national team. Uh, I don't. I don't think people realize how difficult of a group this is going to be. I also don't think people realize how difficult the World Cup is in general. I mean, think about, guys, think about the U.S. men's national team and the best run they've had in modern history. Modern history. Modern history. Not 1930, 1934, right. when I believe it's third place. You know, and, and whatever amount of teams were playing on. It's a handful of teams on, right? Modern history. It's the 2002 oh, World Cup run. Landon Donovan, DeMarcus Beasley, John O'Brien, you know, that, uh, Claudia Reyna, that team. When you look at them in group play, they went one, one, and one. They were blown out by Poland. Yeah. They almost didn't make it to the second round. They beat Mexico in that second round and went to a quarterfinal game against Germany and a handball. Should have won. Greg Berhalter. Greg Berhalter should have had a handball called in his favor, the U.S. Men's National Team, penalty kick, and they could bury it, and they're in a semifinal. The difference between success and utter failure at the World Cup level is so minute. People don't realize it. I mean, people tout that as the best team ever, and they went 1-1-1 one, one, and one and got blown out in group play. Yeah. So people need to realize um, that these things like pressure, these things like, uh, uh, yes, talent is, is a big issue, uh, but management, all these things come together, and you need to be perfect in your play every single moment because one Bad play can be the difference between you going to the next round and it being a complete success for this group and you crashing out of the group phase and Greg Berhalter may be out of a job. Talking to Hercules Gomez is inside access here on The Fan. Herc, uh, for those who were 18 days away and they're going to be watching this thing like you are, like we are, who are some of the other teams you're looking at as this thing gets started? Teams to make runs, like dark horse teams, yeah. the obvious favorites are, are your uh, – I think it's going to be a South American team. I think it's between Brazil and Argentina that are going to win this World Cup. Uh, I think France, if history has told us anything, they're in line for, for a group phase exit. You know, <laughs> that's usually how it is with the defending World Cup uh, champion. Um, but there's just too much talent on that team for me to, to bank on that. I, I think teams like Denmark, France, 
even in England, regardless of how they're doing in form, those are those are the favorites. Of Belgium, that may be long in the tooth, but has so much talent um, on their day, can be anybody in the world. Uh, those are very good teams to contend with. As far as CONCACAF, uh, some of our CONCACAF mm-hmm. listeners may have, um, I wouldn't bank against a team like Canada. Uh, their their style is conducive to tournament play. They're young. They're hungry. They play a very pragmatic style, physical, uh, can hurt you in so many different ways, transition being one of them, and have a few very exceptional players. If they can stay healthy, I think they can really turn some heads uh, this World Cup, especially in their group with two teams like Croatia and Belgium. That doesn't matter how talented they are. They are a little long around uh, on the tooth. They're a lot older than than um, people realize, and it's their uh, generation's last chance to do anything uh, of worth in, in a World Cup um, by their teammates. So I, I think Canada is a team that, that could surprise some people. Can't let you go without asking about Christian. Um, still not great at Chelsea, right? Not the best situation in the world. We don't know what the, the next transfer window will look like for him. And obviously the last time we saw him with the national team during those friendlies, it, it, he didn't seem super pleased about um, exiting the match. Do you Have you picked up anything about where things stand between him and Greg? Or, um, I guess, what, where do you think he is heading into this tournament? Well, for the U.S. men's national, I think he's in good standing with Greg, and Greg's in good standing with Christian. I think they trust each other. Um, from everything I've gathered, conversations that I've had with the two over the last uh, interviews that I've done with mm-hmm. them, um, it seems like they have a good rapport and they and they trust each other. Now, that doesn't really mean anything. What what the most important thing here is Greg wants Christian to be playing. Greg wants Christian to be healthy mentally and physically. And Christian wants to be playing because that will determine his mental health on the field. And that's not been the case. Um, with Christian Pulisic, nobody denies the talent that he has because he's shown that ability. He's done some crazy things on the soccer field. He's done some crazy things in Champions League semifinals yeah. against teams like Real Madrid. You know, he, he, he has that talent. Can he find consistency? Because people will say, well, you know, he found his form under Frank Lampard. It was the time Frank had him on the bench yeah. and wouldn't take him off the bench. And then he found his form. And then it's Thomas Tuchel comes in, a guy who gave him his debut at Borussia Dortmund. And everybody's like, right. oh, this is going to be different. This guy trusts. Christian Pulisic. He knows Christian Pulisic. And it's the opposite. And now Graham Potter comes in. It's the third coach where he's really been struggling to find that playing time that he would like. Forget about what we would like, what he would like. So it leads people to question his talent level, question his commitment, question why certain coaches keep overlooking that talent. Um, These are things that no player wants heading into the biggest tournament of their life. Christian's a special player and one of the most important players of the U.S. men's national team. And I'm sure Greg Berhalter would want him uh, to figure out that club situation to get his head right and ready for this upcoming World Cup. World Cup starts in 18 days, November 20th. It all gets started. Hercules Gomez, thanks as always for dropping some knowledge with us. I appreciate it, guys. Don't forget, every day at the World Cup, Football Americas will be on. Perfect. We'll be watching, brother. Thanks so much. That's on ESPN and ESPN Deportes. You can check him out. Uh, Coming up next here on the program, the Ravens have themselves a new inside linebacker. His name is Roquan Smith. Could that be a good thing for Patrick Queen? We'll tell you next here on The Fan. Inside Access on The Fan. The best Orioles coverage. The best Ravens coverage. The best Terps coverage. 105.7 The Fan. Love! 
really growing as a player, you know, and he has been steadily, and now it's really starting to kind of accelerate, you know. So we want to keep building on that and expect him to just keep improving and he's making a difference for us. That's John Harbaugh talking about Patrick Queen, who has he. Beaten PFF says that Patrick Queen's been playing better over the last three weeks, but the Ravens decided to get even better at inside linebacker, acquiring Roquan Smith from the Bears. Roquan Smith currently meeting with the media. We'll p- try to play you some of that next hour. But when the news was announced, former Raven, current Hall of Famer, Ed Reed had this to say about Roquan Smith. As an ex-Raven, as a defender, of course, I'm excited. If I was a safety, you know, playing with the Ravens, I would be excited. That secondary should be excited. Um, Baltimore Nation should be excited because you get a, a playmaker, a force on defense to try to, you know, push you over the hump in the playoffs to get you to that next level. You know, playing against guys like Josh Allen, you know, and Patrick Mahomes, those quarterbacks pose problems. So you need somebody who calls havoc and a leader in the deep, in the, in the locker room. So that's a huge pickup. You know, I believe they are pushing for making the right moves on defense to try to better, better the defense. You know, to make that push for the playoffs, make that push in in, in late January. You know, to 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 go to Arizona. I believe that the Ravens made that decision, knowing the needs that they 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 had. You know, in the organization and for the defense. Ed Reed with his own theme music behind him, talking yeah, about the, the addition of Roquan Smith. He's excited, Jason, and Ed Reed does no defense. He does, and this guy is a quality. Defender, he does more than one thing well. Um, he should make them better. I, I think he will make them better. How much better, I guess, is the key question. Uh, in the short term, as he gets settled in, is is this um, a, a positive for Patrick Queen? I, I think it could be. Um, I think we know that Patrick Queen, one of the first things we saw him have some success with, even in years past where he was really struggling trying to be a complete every every down linebacker, was the ability to, when schemed up, to get home with the blitz. Maybe not as much as you'd like, but it's he, he could affect games in that way. And I would suspect they lean into that even more. And I think now... If you've got a Roquan Smith who you think gives you the, the and, and Kyle Hamilton's not where you'd want him to be, so now you got Roquan Smith to handle tight ends and, and some of those responsibilities. Um, can Patrick Queen be a guy who, when you're playing a Josh Allen, you're playing a Patrick Mahomes, um, you know, to a lesser degree, to a but athletic quarterbacks? Is he someone who will have to spy them, help contain them, help you know mitigate their ability? to extend third and 14 with their legs and turn it into a winning play for them on the ground. The Ravens defense got a lot better with Roquan Smith, and they got a lot more athletic comparing a Josh Bynes yes. to a Roquan Smith. Yes. That's night and day. That's a 180, and you have a true three-down linebacker. And while Patrick Queen, he's always strived for that, and to his credit, he has the numbers indicated. He has been better in coverage this year. And... Now it just takes off his plate. He has been one of the best uh, blitzing linebackers in football, according to PFF, in terms of pressure percentage, in terms of sacks. He's got three and a half sacks. So 
I am very intrigued about the possibility of him spying Josh Allen. I I just think now you can sort of use Patrick Queen as more of that chess piece if yep. you're a Mike McDonald Ken. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I do, it does make me wonder as you brought up Josh Bynes, what is his role now? Like, is, is he? Does well, he, they can't carry all these inside no, lines. Even yeah. trading Klein, they can't yeah. carry all these lines. Like, like he's not seeing the. He's not a special teams guy. Is he a guy that eventually gets released? Like he was having trouble running before he got hurt. Yeah, and then he he just he can't run like he used to. And now when you go from him to a guy who was on that top tier of inside linebacker, yeah, I just can't imagine where when Josh Bynes is seeing the football field. Yeah, and look, I think Roquan Smith reads the run game better than Patrick Queen. I think he's a more sure tackler. Than Patrick Queen, I think his pursuit angles, he plays with with a speed, but Queen's speed often is to his detriment, right? He overruns things. He thinks he sees something that's not there. And, you know, he 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 gives up on his assignment and then, oh, nope, I don't know. I was supposed to I was supposed to hold the edge there. So I, yes, I think it simplifies things for him. I think he maybe gets more of a streamlined role. Um and they're really gonna need when it's go time. If, as we talked about in the open, we, we think you're going to have to win a game in Orchard Park, you're going to have to win a game in Kansas City, Roquan Smith's got to be helping you win in the yep. in the pass game. He's got to be helping take away some of these tight ends and some of these matchups. Um, that's, you know, that's where the rubber's going to meet the road for them. And it kind of goes hand in hand with Patrick Queen, right? When you're talking about a Josh Allen, a guy that can really run, he hits 70 rushing yards against the Ravens in that week four matchup. So that's going to be a big factor too for a Patrick Queen. And also, of course, just bringing the pressure. Josh Allen was only sacked once in that game. Inside access here on a hump day Wednesday. We'll hopefully hear from Roquan Smith coming up in about 25 minutes. But coming up next, we go back to Chicago. Brad Biggs covers the Bears for the Chicago Tribune. What was his reaction to the Roquan Smith trade? He'll tell you next here on The Fan. Inside Access. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.